We have our water sports podcast predecessor on the show today. Yep. And if he's known as the noise of the North, I think you should be known as the people's introvert. It's showtime. This is the Ski Show, the ultimate show ski podcast, bringing you news, knowledge, in-depth interviews with legends and stars of our sport, and a little bit of fun. Here are your hosts, Matt Heilman and Adam Schaller. Welcome to the Ski Show. Coming to you every two weeks since 2020 with the only content specifically dedicated to show skiing. This is our 84th episode and it is loaded with content. We are recapping D2 Nationals held last weekend. We're previewing the upcoming D1 Nationals this weekend in Warsaw, Indiana. And today we have a guest interview with Aquanut legend, pro wakeboard announcing legend, lake lovers legend, Dano Amir. We're going to chat about his history in show skiing as well as the upcoming Twin Lakes Corn Fest that you're not going to want to miss. Today's sponsors are the Lake Lovers Club, the coolest of all the lake lifestyle apparel brands, created by the Twin Lakes Corn Fest crew to encourage, educate, and empower our community to preserve the lake lifestyle that we love. Follow them on Instagram at Lake Lovers Club. Flyman Skis, custom-made jump skis and featherboard swivel skis at affordable prices. Check them out at flymanskis.com and make sure you find them at Nationals as they are the title sponsor of the Beer Tent, officially known as the Flyman Beer Garden. Yes. And today's episode is also sponsored by The Board Shop. All your summer and water and board sports gear is yours at bswake.com. First things first, Adam, before we talk D1 Nationals, let's talk D2 Nationals, which was held in Loves Park, Illinois, home of the Ski Bronx. Five teams competed in this year's D2 Nationals, but it really ended up being a two-horse race for the victory. And coming out on top was the five-season ski team from Iowa, they took first place by just 3.9 points over the water bugs. <laughs> oh, water bugs. We've been there. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, tight finish. Water bugs, man. Great season for them, uh, having won uh, D2 Wisconsin State. But congrats to five seasons, man. What a huge victory for them. Very cool to see them uh, come out on top. What a, what a big win. Yeah, five seasons, won several box scores. Waterbugs had several high-scoring acts. Ski Bronx had the highest-scoring act with their four-tier prefab pyramid. Holy smokes. Best male skier was Noah Leach of the Waterbugs, and best female was Lily Roman of the Ski Bronx. Yep. Uh, individual acts uh, held at D2 Nationals. Haley Planton won the open swivel. Ava Schlichting won 360 swivel, and Madeline Palamaki, I probably butchered that one, 180 swivel. Ava Schlichting and Lily Romans won, uh, Lily Roman won swivel pairs. Kate Drager and Jack Messina won their fourth D2 doubles title. I'm going to interject with this. If you didn't see the video, pretty cool. Interesting start, Adam. Kate Drager jumped in the water and swam out 
and Jack skied by and picked her up out of the water while swimming. That was how they started their doubles routine. And that they did that on purpose? That <laughs> on was purpose. That was the plan. Okay, yeah. all right. That's, yeah. hey, awesome. Super unique start. Uh, and then in uh, freestyle jump, Nathan Fedorowitz edged out his sister, Sarah, to win the freestyle jump competition. Sounded like an incredible tournament all around. A lot of fun. I still have to wonder, though, in my own brain, if we need to revisit the conversation or put it to bed about what is best long-term for D2 Nationals. I know there's a lot of energy and excitement around it this year. However, there were only five teams competing this year. There were only three last year, so we've only had eight teams compete in the event over the last two seasons. There's a lot of talent and a lot of energy in these teams that do compete. I just wonder if there's a better way to showcase the event and increase participation in some way. Well, I know we've talked about this uh, on the show before, actually several times mm-hmm. with several different people. And it, I, you know, I think the, the, the option that we sort of kind of keep landing on or, or getting to is, you know, is there a way to combine D one and D two nationals in one big, awesome weekend of show skiing? Sure, would be awesome. I don't, you know, it's uh, there's pros and cons to it. I think it's a topic, you know, that we could certainly flesh out again and deeper on this podcast. But it's probably one for the NSSA to discuss at some point about, you know, what that looks like. And, and maybe status quo is okay. Keep D two small. Uh, keep it fun for those uh, teams, those few that want to participate. Uh, or is there a better way to showcase our sport and to continue to grow it? I don't, I don't know the right answer, but uh, I think it's at least worth a conversation. Let's chat about D1 Nationals. Adam is coming up this weekend in Warsaw, Indiana. Last time it was there was in 2019, the first time they ever hosted D1 Nationals. This is their second time hosting D1. Let's talk about the favorites. And I know that we're our, our Mad City Ski team is in that mix, so, uh, you know, we don't uh, – Maybe we're not the right guys to be assessing the uh, uh, talent pool and the rankings and and the Vegas odds for winning nationals, but uh, we're pretty well connected and it's fun to talk about. And I know our listeners uh, at least want to want to hear a little bit of a preview on D one nationals. Yeah, I think Matt, we can both agree after seeing uh, the Rock Aqua Jays at the Wisconsin State Tournament, uh, probably the clear cut favorite. Uh, they won state by a solid margin, uh, and their skiing has only gotten bigger and better. And you know that they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, I mean they're going to have the biggest ballet line. They're going to have uh, probably the biggest final pyramid. They're uh, made a seven man front flip yesterday in practice. Uh, they are they're putting it out, and their skiing is is unbelievable. You know, Wonder Lake <clears throat> is always interesting. They had a strong performance at Regionals, which was at Hidden Lake in Warsaw. They're familiar with the site. They've skied there before. They're a little smaller team this year, but, man, are they talented. They've got male talent. They've got female talent. Uh, it be interesting to see uh, what they come with. Uh, Aquanuts are also smaller this year, but loaded with talent. The names you know, uh, they feature a lot of individual talent because they're down a little bit in numbers. Uh, they've been skiing clean this year, so it'll be really interesting to watch them as well. Yeah, you know, Wonder Lake and the Aquanuts are always going to bring just awesome skiing to the tournament. And, you know, that's, yeah, 100%. Uh, River Rats, they won the Midwest region. 
I don't think they've skied at this site before. Not that I know of. If I'm wrong. Okay. So that could be, you know, that could play in as a factor. Uh, You know, watched your show last year at Nationals. Great production, great stage work. So looking forward to seeing that. Um, And Lake City, host team. Uh, Ton of energy, uh, lots of, tons of male male talent. Uh, They're going to be fun to watch this weekend. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a great tournament. You got and then you got teams like Backwater Gamblers. I you know uh, they I'd be interested to see if if they rebound from uh, their Central Regionals. They've they've had some injuries this year and and uh, unfortunately maybe um, it's not not quite their year. We'll we'll see how they how things play out. A lot of fun up and coming teams that'll be worth watching. You know uh, the Beaverland Muskies have been doing great things. Had a great show at state. Carolina's coming up from the south, and uh, you know they've got our our buddy Liam Klotzbach. They've got uh, Hudson Fox, and I uh, just saw he strapped on the skis the other day. Seth Fraze uh, is jumping again and going to be joining Carolina uh, really? in their show at Nationals. Yeah. <laughs> awesome! That'll yeah. be that'll be fun to watch. Yep. You know, and we could uh, chat a little bit about the favorites for Skip and Willa. Those are. Uh, people love to talk about that, think about that. You know, the big names are are always the big names. They're they're probably going to show up and and uh, be in the in the mix on the on the guys' end of things. You know, you got Ethan, uh, Derek Buckman, who you know we can plug in our show. The guys doing nine acts, including all sorts of things like you know all the jumping he's done, uh, barefooting, doubles, prefabs. Um, he's uh, pretty much as well-rounded as they come. Cody Coffey, Scott DePorter, Eric Lebda, Liam Klotzbach. Uh, so much talent on the male side. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, all the guys that I have on my fantasy show ski team, I think, are probably candidates for that. Yeah, uh, we should, could we do that, a fantasy show <laughs> ski draft? That'd be hilarious. You set, go ahead and set that up. It sounds like a lot yeah. of work. Um, <laughs> On the Willow side, you know, usual suspects, uh, you've got Bria uh, from Wonder Lake, Bria Imsey, uh, Kaylee Kohler from the Aquanuts. Uh, but, you know, there's also, uh, there's just a lot of talent, right? Yeah. Grace, Grace Petzold, uh, yeah. Paige Pashina. I mean, there's just, it's it's awesome. It's just fun to think about uh, the talent that you're going to see on the water this coming weekend. Yeah, and, and many of those names, too, are going to be uh, at Team USA practice. The couple days following Nationals, Team USA is... Uh, has two training days on Monday and Tuesday right after Nationals, so that's going to be fun to have that whole group together as we work toward the final roster. And uh, it's going to be going to be great. I think the stars are going to be out. It's going to be a showcase of talent. The teams are going to be uh, the the team event. I'm super excited for. Um, it's it's shaping up to be really fun, really exciting. Uh, I think it's going to be a great tournament. On the individual event side, I just want to say this. I think it's probably the best swivel lineup maybe we've ever had i'm just going to read you the lineup of for open swivel at individuals <clears throat> abby langer lexi barons abby hartman maddie hageman grace petzold christy prentice megan Richling, ali crumry maggie kelly Haley tuin caroline grubbs Paige pashina darian leblanc josie smircheck bria imsey whoa <laughs> like <laughs> A world-class swiveler is going to take eighth place, ninth place. Like that's how good the lineup is. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that that, that is awesome. That's yeah. going to be fun to see. Um, and there's team jump, which 
uh, the first time I've watched Team Jump in a long time was at Wisconsin State. And yeah, I'm not you're not gonna, a fan. I'm not going to watch again. <laughs> <laughs> Matt City does not have a lot of luck with me there. Uh, so I'm just hoping that nobody gets hurt in Team Jump or Freestyle Jump. Yep, stacked uh, lineup in Freestyle Jump as well. Uh, will be interesting to see uh, how all that plays out. Looking forward to an incredible weekend at D1 Nationals. You know, Adam, at Nationals this year, you'll also get a chance uh, to watch a lot of these skiers and shows that we talked about, but these are the people who have bought gear from the board shop. Yeah, that's right. The Richlings are tremendous supporters of the sport and longtime Wonder Lakers. Their shop is in Lake Geneva. It's the one you need to get to. They have everything you would ever want for summer and winter sports gear. The latest boards, apparel, boots, vests, and more. Yeah, and if you can't make it to Lake Geneva, make sure you check them out online. It's super easy to order, fast shipping, great prices. Get all the summer and winter gear you'd ever want at bswake.com. That's bswake.com. Last thing, Adam, before we get to our featured interview today, the Ski Show Awards nominations are happening now. The committee is currently watching talent, scouting shows, discussing all the awards categories as we speak. But you, our listeners, can nominate people for our 31 awards. We're ultimately going to have the committee selecting the top five nominees, which we'll announce this fall, and the winners, the eventual winners. But your nomination helps make sure that somebody gets on the committee's radar. You know, they're not uh, superhuman, and they don't see everything all-encompassing all the time. This is your chance to weigh in. There's a Google form on our Facebook page, and you can find it. You can submit your Ski Show Awards nominations. I'll also add, if you've got video or photos and want to send that in to the Ski Show Podcast at gmail.com, that'd be great. And if you end up being one of the top five nominees, uh, we need video, and preferably you shoot it horizontally with your phone instead of vertically because it makes it way easier on our production for the award show. So start shooting that video. Uh, even of the hard to find things like boat riders and sound techs, we don't we need photos and video of those categories. So get your nominations in. All right, time to get to our featured interview. This was a fun conversation, lots of history, and man, does this guy have a true passion for the sport. Listen as we catch up with Dano Amir. All right, we've got the one and only Dano Amir. Hey, Dano, what's going on tonight? Oh, yeah. Well, feeling real good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah, great to be here for sure. Been listening a bunch since day number one and uh, stoked on what you guys have been doing. And this is this is great for the sport. Yeah, well, like we, we said before we uh, popped on with you here, you laid the groundwork for us, man. You doing your wakeboard podcast uh was so great and gave us the idea to do this for show skiing because there wasn't anything like it for show skiing and now you know we're we've been running strong we're at 84 episodes ourselves with with show skiing and uh we thank you for that yep yep well it was uh always so much fun for me to do the golden mike podcast um i hit almost 155 episodes i actually do have 155 in the can uh just been uh, kind of tied up with a bunch of other stuff, but you know, for me, it was it was always um, trying to to give gain exposure for all aspects of towed water sports. You know, I grew up as a show skier, 
Um, but you know, as a water ski and a water sports enthusiast, I always followed wakeboarding and I made my, it's funny. I grew up, my dad wouldn't even let me wakeboard, but I made an entire <laughs> career, uh, out of wakeboarding. I've traveled the entire world, but you know, for me with the podcast, it was, it was, you know, one week I might be interviewing Parks Bonifay and then the next week I'm interviewing somebody like, I don't know, Scotty Clack or, uh, you know, somebody like I, I had a three Avenger. Um, named Ty Openlander, who unfortunately passed away from from uh, uh, brain cancer, but it was so cool. I got his story, you know, a month or two before he passed away, and and he was all there. It was it was amazing, and mm. uh, you know, I've I've always tried to to bridge the gap, bring it all together. But uh, I think it's so cool what you guys are doing here with the ski show, really ultra focused on that world. But you guys have actually brought in some some great guests from from outside of just the show ski realm as well. You know, guys like Zane and, and Parks. I mean, you guys yeah. have done some great interviews. Yeah, man. Every, everybody's tied to show skiing in one, in some, in some fashion. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Well, especially, especially the old school guys, you know, and uh, it, it's cool sometimes to see some of like the newer three event guys or even the wakeboard guys when they end up seeing a ski show or, or being around some show skiers and being to see, being able to see that diversity or the different style. I always say that as a show skier, we're the best self-taught skiers by other self-taught skiers, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, Daniel, we're going to dive in and, you know, we asked this question pretty much of all of our guests. So, you know, where and when did you learn to ski? How did you get involved in water skiing? Yeah. So I always have, memories of being on the boat uh it's funny the the lake i live on now in illinois diamond lake uh, i have memories of being there as a child my mom's like you were an infant back then but that would have been like the mid 80s or so um in the later 80s my family moved um in the summers up to a town called eagle uh kansasville eagle lake was the lake it was right next to burlington browns lake the aqueduct um i learned to water ski around six seven years old and uh you know, just riding around on the bobsled and then into the two skis and stuff like that. And then my dad discovered um, show skiing through the aqueducts. And for, for a couple of seasons, I was training to become an aqueduct. And uh, then we lost our, our cottage in, um, in, in Eagle Lake, uh, probably around 1990 or so. And we started just driving around and, and every weekend we'd splash into a different lake and I'd water ski around there. My dad was always wanting to go to a different lake that had a ski show. It's funny, growing up, it was never about three eventing. In fact, like I watched Tony Claridge videos of hot dog slalom skiing. So I never, <laughs> I, I was never really inspired by the, by the three event side of things, which is crazy because now I probably spend more time running slalom courses and skiing with three eventers than, you know, I, I, I do with show skiers. Uh-huh. So you joined the Aquanauts as a, as a young, young man, didn't you? Yeah, I tried out for the Aquanauts around like 1993-ish or so. And uh, what's so cool about that was a couple of summers before trying out for the Aquanauts, because at that time, to be an Aquanaut, you had to do certain things. I mean, it, it was a lot easier than it was in the 80s. But when I tried out, even as a junior Aquanaut skier, I had to be able to do the deep water start on the slalom ski, which I actually fell on, um, but I still made the club. What was so cool? Um, what was so cool for me when I joined the Aquanuts back then? We were going to Aquanut shows every week and watching. This is early '90s, so I'm watching guys like uh, Anthony Monaco and Kevin Michael, 
And my dad, you know, he, he scoots his way in there and he got me lessons with Kevin Michael. So I was taking lessons with Kevin Michael an entire summer before I tried out for the Aquanuts. Kevin Michael was the junior Aquanut boat driver and he pulled me on my Aquanut tryout as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So That's yeah. Cool history. That's so cool. What, uh, what are some, you know, so you were an Aquanut for a long time. Um, what are some highlights of your Aquanut days? Technically, I'm an Aquanaut forever. For life. For <laughs> life. You're a lifetime yep. member, right? Yep, yep, yep. I was honored with that in, in I want to say, 2018 for sure. But, um, you know, I joined the Aquanauts. I want to say my first summer would have been like 93, 94, right around then. Um, you know, I grew up with Eric Ruck, and I don't know how many people out there, I'm sure mo- hopefully most people know who he is, um, you know softly one of the pioneers of the evolution of wakeboarding um you know that it was such a highlight growing up eric ruck was so far ahead of everybody everything that he did was his own unique thing when you watched him trick ski even at 12 years old you weren't watching a three event trick skier you weren't watching a show ski trick skier you were watching a guy who was taking elements from the snow elements from skateboarding and bringing that to uh bringing that to the lake so growing up with ruck was so cool getting to to grow up with guys like uh, be around and look up to dudes like Anthony Monaco and Kevin Michael, the Welling brothers as well. I mean, just so, so many people, um, Kenny Meyer, another guy from the Aquanuts, Jared Meyer, who, who's one of our partners for Twin Lakes Corn Fest as well. You know, his dad, um, you know, so many great memories from, from back in the day, Brian Shuffle. Gosh, I grew up watching Brian Shuffle getting, I, there were times when I actually got to sit in the twin rig, and go out for one of those fast, loose, and on the edge of out of control rides from Brian. I mean, better, <laughs> crazier than a roller coaster. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, those those boys were badass back in the day. Uh, you know, and and all those legends that you got to ski with. Tell us a little bit. Tell us this. I want our listeners to hear the story of the Aquanut Five. Who's the Aquanut <laughs> Five, and what is that story? And and we need pictures, by the way, of that to post and tease this episode <laughs> gosh i think there's there's maybe one photo in existence of the aquana five so um you know there, there was two iterations of the aquana five um but you know that that was around the 2005 2006 era um it, it's it's crazy growing up with the aquanuts there was an edge of of competitiveness growing up but to, for me it was never about winning contests or anything like that and for my earlier years with the nuts and even into the early 2000s well i feel like some people did want to win tournaments we were kind of in a different place than like your janesville everybody was you know uh, even even wonder lake you know it was just a much it was a much smaller team i always say like i ski for wednesday nights you know i i, I ski i love the the twin lakes crowd i'm all about that um the tournaments that's not what i've that's never what i did it for um the best thing for me about tournaments was the opportunity to show off in front of guys like you. Um, but it was all, it was always about those, those home shows and whatnot, but kind of circling back to the Aquanut five, um, 2005, Paul Weiler, uh, took over, became the show director. He brought his vision to fruition and Paul is a very, uh, competitive guy. And so, you know, for me, I'm a showman. I, I said, I, I'm Mr. Wednesday night. I care about that crowd. I don't, I don't care about, um, you know, trophies or medals or, or any of anything like that. I always tell people I skied for claps and chicks phone numbers growing up. You know what I mean? 
don't get me wrong. I didn't get very many of those phone numbers, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I got a couple of them. Uh, the first iteration of the Aquino 2005, it would have been myself, Michael Thornton. He was the announcer of the Aquinox. Obviously, Paul Weiler. He's he's basically the leader. Andy Amor and yeah. Jason Rinks. Um, shout out to um, Ryan Gillian, who uh, was kind of a soft secret member of the Aquino 5 as well. And then the following year, Jason Rinks went and skied professionally. Um, and uh, we had a guy by the name of Jesse Fide jump in. Uh, 2005 is probably the year everybody remembers. You know, we did the car wash with the Aquanuts. Yep. We had that bug with yeah. the awesome, um, you know, the, the, the awesome backdrop. And we were we were crushing it. I mean, we we were guys like myself. I was spending my, my entire winter in Florida. And that was the one time in my life where, it, again, I've never been a competition dude, but it meant so much to everybody else that it also meant a lot to me to be on my game, be consistent, and be into it. Um, Was that the year you guys ended with the whole Lionel Richie finale? So that would have been the second year we did that. Oh, so that so, was—that's—I still remember that. That was so killer. I'll tell you about that because I've got a, it's kind of a funny story with that. But so the first year we did Aquanut Five was it, it's raining men. And mm-hmm. if you remember that year, I don't know, in, in 05, girls were wearing these little red booty shorts or something like that. And um, so we got some for ourselves. We were all in pretty uh, – I mean, I was it was the best shape I've ever been in my life. So I, I was pretty confident. But you all were my, in basically red Speedos. Of, <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> and, 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 if, and if we were wearing those little shorts, trust me, we had the red Speedos or less on underneath them. So, um, you know, back then it was all about putting parties and, you know, just going out there and uh, – you know, showing some skin and having as much fun trying to get some jaw dropping. And, you know, we, we were looking for that shock value. We did It's Raining Men in the first year, 2005. Uh-huh. It was a it was a hit. We had a great time. Um, moving into to 2006, um, I was going through this huge Miami Vice phase. And so I had this idea. I'm like, <laughs> Michael, were. <laughs> Mike Thornton is, I'm watching every episode, every day, every night. It's all about Miami Vice. And so... I'm like Mike to Mike Thornton. I think he was – maybe Eric Fouth. I don't, whoever was show director that year. Needless to say, um, the theme was Miami Vice that year, uh, 2006. And I had this idea. You know, I'm always into um, – I know we're going to get to this, I'm sure, about me announcing and stuff. And um, part of – I will always tell people, part of me getting into announcing, I was discovered in a karaoke bar. You know, I, <laughs> I'm i always, like, taking over the mic and, and goofing off yeah. and singing. Anyways – I was inspired earlier in my life by Paul Weiler and Kenny Kariba, then Kenny Rinks now, because they would do this amazing rendition of Love Shack. So I knew Paul could get on a mic and sing. And so I'm like, instead of us coming back and just doing a dance this summer, like, Paul, you've got to um, you've got to sing all night long, Lionel Richie, and we'll come up yes. with some sort of and Weiler was absolutely a against it at first you know it was not gonna happen and i don't know what happened but finally he came back through paul's like the paul is somebody who wants to be very very prepared for something but if he's not into it uh then it needs Mm -hmm. to kind of be like a on the moment sporadic thing and that's kind of what happened like uh, with with the all night long thing, we're so glad that that happened though. But once again, that year we covered up a little bit more. We wore the uh, you know the the white pants and whatnot, yeah. but uh, had to have the shirts off. We all had the 
uh, you know, mustaches and the long hair and whatnot. So, so oh yeah, so, some of the some <laughs> of the best memories. And you know, I feel bad. Last year we had the Aquanuts 50th anniversary show, and all of us are in different places. And I know everybody kind of wanted us to bring the Aquanut Five back, and we just didn't really have time to prep for it. Some of us were into it, some of us weren't into it. Everybody just wanted to be perfect. We weren't gonna do if we were gonna do it. We didn't end up doing it. I kind of have a little bit of regret about it, but at this, at, you know, at the same time, it's also kind of cool. When we did the Aquanut Five, it wasn't like we were in the era that we're in now. Not everybody had a camera. You have to go looking for those videos, and they're yeah. Great. We need to find those, man. Yeah. We yeah. we want to find both of those. If you could help us, or man, that'd be great. Cool memories, such great stuff. You know, we're Adam. We're gonna talk to Dan in a second about how he's taken this passion for water sports into a career. But let's first talk about how Flyman Skis has done the same. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, show skiers, Nick and Jack, their passion for for water skiing and jumping and swiveling. And, you know, now they're making skis. They're making Flyman Skis for show skiers. It's awesome. Yeah, they're going to be at Nationals, uh, which is fantastic. They're going to have a booth set up with – uh, extra gear if your team is missing a harness or a ski, breaks something in the middle of your show. They've got a booth of supplies set up to support teams and show skiers, and they're going to be there with the, you know their latest models of, of gear. Their featherboard swivel skis are everywhere. You're going to see them at Nationals. You're going to see them at Team USA practice. Their Flyman jump skis are everywhere, Adam. Yep, you can uh, get yours, design your own at flymanskis.com. That's flymanskis.com. All, All right, right Dano. Dano. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about you uh, turning your water sports into a career. How'd that get started? Yeah, you know, I, I always knew that I wanted to move down to Florida and be a part of the industry. Um you know, I, I mentioned Eric Ruck earlier. I grew up with Eric Ruck in around 98, 99. He moved down to Florida to pursue a career in pro wakeboarding. And I'm not going to lie, when I was in high school, I thought I was going to, I thought my only foot in the door was that I was going to go become a massage therapist and uh, go on tour and, and rub people <laughs> down. And uh, Didn't you tell people, was it one of your uh, shticks in the beer tent to get chicks, by the way, telling people you were selling alpaca rugs? Or did you really do that? <laughs> No, I re that I really did that when I first. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, anyways, well, I'll get to that here. So, so what what happened? That wasn't that, a beer tent stick. I mean, it's a great beer tent stick, but that's for real life, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I I wanted to be a massage therapist at first, and uh, then I started spending a little bit more time hanging out with Parks Bonifay and realized these are the dudes I'd be rubbing down. So I'm like, forget that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Needless, needless to say, I got down to Florida. I would, I had graduated high school in 2000, and right out of high school, I started uh, working at Munson in uh, the Chicagoland area. Um, they hired me to, to clean boats, and probably two months in, I get pulled up into the owner's office, and it's like, hey, man, my heart drops down to the bottom of my stomach. They're like, we've been watching you, and you are the worst boat detailer we have ever seen. And, and I'm like, oh, great, I'm done. Well... They go, but saw you sell that dusty old trick ski out there in the showroom that's been sitting for five years. So we want to give you an opportunity to sell boats. So I ended up um, going to Mastercraft in Malibu Dealer School, and I started selling boats in, in 2000. Uh, I actually, my first boat that I ever sold was softly teed up by Paul Vitucci from Redline Watersports nice. up in, 
in y'all's area. But I I, I spent two and a half years selling boats in Chicagoland. I saved about $20,000. And in September of 2002, I moved down to Florida to live with Eric Ruck and Parks Bonifay. Um, Literally within, I don't know, a month and a half, two months, I'd spent all my money um, (laughs) trying to live that lifestyle, right? Yeah, right. Insane. Um, But it was time for me to get a job, right? And so I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm this great boat salesman up in the Chicago land. I've sold 60 boats in the last two and a half years. This is going to be the easiest thing. Well, the Orlando market is already taken care of, and they've got some of the greatest people, greatest boat salesmen, greatest shops down there. I walk into every shop, and they're like, looking at the long hair. They're looking at the beard. They're like, we don't need this hippie. And, you know, I, and I don't know much about resumes then or now uh, or references. So I'm not, you know, giving myself the bump up or anything. And needless to say, I needed a job and I'm walking around the mall one day. It says uh, hiring um, for alpaca fur salesman. And, <laughs> it, and so I go in and literally they're just like, I walk in, they say, Hey, are you interested in the job? And it's like, yeah, they're like, okay, you've got the job. They hand me, <laughs> they hand me the script. It's gotta be 10 pages long. And they say, you stick to the script, no matter what a customer says, stop. And you just move forward. How do you like our fur? Soft, isn't it? <laughs> it's alpaca. Are you familiar with alpaca? <laughs> well, it's kind of like a llama, just about 90 times smaller and a hundred times as soft. So, I mean, I was, I was doing the gig. I was literally an alpaca first salesman. I made it about, I don't know, a month and a half, two months selling it. And by selling it, I mean, I sold zero. (laughs) I maybe maybe sold one alpaca uh, pillow one time in my life. And it was a fully commission based job. So that didn't work out. I ended up getting a job at performance ski and surf uh, down in Orlando. That was that was a humongous foot in the door uh, for me in the, the industry to really move forward professionally. Yeah, from there, uh, you know, from, from there with performance, um, you know, I'd been working there for a couple of years. In 2005, I had my first opportunity uh, to announce uh, a wakeboarding event. So I had announced some junior shows for the Aquanauts. I had announced maybe a, a senior show once or twice when – Maybe Michael or one of the announcers wasn't there, but it was nothing ever, anything serious. I used to grab the mic and announce at practices. And and Adam, I don't know, you can maybe speak on this. I always tell people, you want to become the best announcer, go and announce practice to nobody. <laughs> You know? <laughs> to nobody. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's fair. Yep. If you can do that, you can keep people interested. You should absolutely do that. Well, so down in Florida around this era, 2003, 2004, I'm hanging out with all the wakeboard guys and, um, you know, maybe, maybe pre 21 ish, we used to have this establishment not too far from the house that, um, age just didn't really matter. Um, and every Friday they'd have this karaoke session going on and, uh, I'd always just snake the microphone. There'd be like 25 of us in there and the owner of the bar would just be like, tell the, the karaoke dude. You don't shut this guy off. Look at all these people coming in uh-huh. here with him or whatever. So yeah. I knew I knew I had the ability to command a room or whatever. I had been asked a couple of times um, by Chris Bischoff, who still runs um, like the Pro Wakeboard Tour and uh, met, like events like the Nationals and the World Championships of Wakeboarding. I had been asked a couple of times to do it. I was always a little bit nervous, but I finally took the opportunity 
in uh, 2005 and um, wakeboard, the WWA Nautique Wakeboard Nationals were here uh, in the Midwest. They were in Lake Andrea, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, Kenosha. Um, I announced it. I was horrible. Uh, but somehow I was asked to come back to Worlds, which I decided not to do that year. It was in Orlando. I just decided to work at the pro shop at Performance on site. Um, I regret it because that would have put me at like almost 20 years as the uh, announcer for the world championships. But um, anyways, in 2006, I ended up getting the job as the announcer for not only the wakeboard nationals, but the entire pro wakeboard tour, which was run by Mastercraft at the time. Um, the wakeboard world championships that was run by uh, Supra at the time. And um, probably one of the biggest honors and one of the main only major events that I'm still announcing right now um, due to pretty much time and just being burnt out a little bit um, is the masters of water skiing and wakeboarding. And I used to love to announce the masters because I was working so hard to bridge the gap between the wakeboarders and the water skiers and try to like prove to everybody like, Hey, we're not so, so different and whatnot. It's not really the pro water skiers. It's not really the wakeboarders mm -hmm. who butt heads. It's, it kind of like the people like, I don't know, beneath that, like a lot of the enthusiasts, a lot of like water ski fans think it's a really good idea to bash wakeboarding and wake mm -hmm. surfing. And they don't really realize like, Hey, we're all passionate about the same thing, being out on the lake and having a great time, you know, progressing that's, our skills. That's an incredible like career that you parlayed through a variety of means and your own talent into long-term announcing speaking of the masters it's funny that came up when we were um did our freestyle jump episode with scotty and zane and uh pete Haggerty and Derek buckman uh we were talking about trying to see if we can get that buck up freestyle jump tour at the masters get freestyle jump back at the masters like it get man that would be awesome yeah it would be cool i i think you know and i've actually been chatting it up with some of the guys so i'm i'm still announcing uh pro wakeboard tour stops when i have the availability um i'm actually going to be announcing the i stop i announced stop number one this year you can go to supra's page and watch the entire thing myself parks bonifay along with alexa score uh who's a show skier from little crow um she's got an amazing story you guys should catch up with her sometime as well um, we did stop number one this year. I wasn't available for two or three, but I'm doing the um, the team challenge coming up uh, the week after Twin Lakes Corn Fest in August. Uh, and I, they're always looking for new sites. And I've actually been uh, – there's something about Madison, and I'm like, man, maybe we should bring the Pro <laughs> Tour to Madison. And if we do, I was like, how cool would it be if we ran a buck-up stop? And the organizers of the event – they're not saying no. So that might right. be that Let's might go. be something in the future, you know? Let's go. That's awesome. good stuff. You know, let's let's uh fast forward to now your work with Lake Lovers and Twin Lakes Corn Fest and and want to hear kind of all about that and and how that all came to be and and where that's headed because uh like Corn Fest is just around the corner here when when this episode drops it's it's uh, only a week and a half away, and and uh, man, it's a, what a, what an awesome event that has grown to. But take us back to kind of the start of Corn Fest, as well as how that uh, morphed into Lake Lovers. So I'll I'll start with Twin Lakes Corn Fest, but to really get the story of Twin Lakes Corn Fest, you have to kind of rewind it all the way back to 2005. I'm sitting in a boat down in Florida, myself, uh, Parks Bonifay, Eric Ruck, Daniel Watkins. All of us are uh, you know kind of um, 
a part of the wake industry, but we all had show ski backgrounds. And when I moved to Florida, I was hanging out with all these wakeboarders. And it's funny because a lot of water skiers, again, I, I hate to like go back to the animosity, but like, it was so funny because all the wakeboarders always enjoyed water skiing. Dano, can I ride your trick ski? Dano, can I ride your disc? Yo, let's, let's go barefooting, whatever. And we would always end um, wakeboard sessions or surf sessions. I, don't get me wrong. I never wakeboarded. I wasn't allowed to wakeboard growing up. And when I was old enough and I could afford to pay for it myself, at that point, I was just into like trick skiing and shoe skiing and show skiing and stuff. And that was also at the beginning of like wake, like the, the boom of wake surfing too. So I was into that kind of stuff. So I didn't really care about riding wakeboards. I like to talk about it, but we're all sitting in the boat one day. We're always taking these barefoot sessions and we're like, man, how cool would it be if we had a barefoot contest, but with no legit professional or competitive barefooters and that's where feet on fire started um yep. it was all wakeboarders i mean you got guys like scott byerly in there sean watts and jd webb um, we did let a few show skiers come in but in the early days when things were a lot looser um we had a way to handicap the show skiers against the wakeboarders um <laughs> Um, yeah, a lot of beer, basically. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't advocate for that uh, or uh, do mm -hmm. that anymore. It's all about being a lot more responsible. But anyways, I'd run Feet on Fire with the guys down in Florida. We'd also done it in Twin Lakes a handful of times. Um, but moving forward to like how, tw how Twin Lakes corn So I just that the gist of it is I'd been organizing some events. Mm -hmm. um, in 2015, I showed up to the Wisconsin State Show Ski Tournament. It was my... I don't know, first time back there, I don't know, maybe in a couple of years or something. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting there. I'd watched Jared Meyer trick ski that day. I'm like, dude, you got the uh, Mark Black trick award, you, you know, congrats. You're going to get that today. And I'm like, and if you don't have it, then Brandon Kirchens gets it or Aaron Nelson, one of the Aquanuts. I watched the entire tournament and nobody uh, scratched the surface of anything that you guys did. And, and we feel very proud about the Mark Black uh, Memorial Trixie Award back in those days because mm -hmm. I won it the first year it ever came out. Um, the second year, I didn't win it. I, I was, I admit I was a little less humble back then and I was kind of annoyed and I asked Skip and he was like, ah, oh, you can't win it every year. And it's just like, okay, why not? And they changed yeah. that rule pretty dang quick. Uh, uh, a la Jared Meyer and Ethan Shoulder, you know, mm -hmm. nowadays. But anyways, in 2015, you know, the Aquanauts had won, say, 13 out of the 15 Mark Black Awards. And I'm sitting there waiting for it, and they don't announce the award. And my blood starts boiling. I mean, I'm, I'm like, furious about this. And because, you know, like, like Trixie is a cool thing, and it's not, it's not wakeboarding. It's not the ultra-mega thing, but we had it at the Wisconsin State Tournament. And even if it was just the Aquanauts who were excited about it, people were excited about it, you know? And it's booming now, by the yep. way. It's, yep. it's, it's back. booming. It is yeah, awesome. Yeah, trick skiing well, is back. 100%. But continue, yes. Well, so I, I go and I, I talk to Skip, and he's just like, Dano, he's like, sorry, you guys win it every year, and honestly, nobody's here to support the award. My blood is boiling. My blood's boiling. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go and prove to them that they're wrong. So I decide, we're, literally, I tell Jared, to go, we're going home. We're going to find 16 trick skiers. We're going to get them at Lance Park in Twin Lakes, and we're going to run a little trick ski showdown. And basically, um, 
this is how Cornfest started. I made a huge joke. I'm like, we're going to go buy 150 ears of corn and we're going to give them away for free, right? So we ended up getting 16 trick skiers set up. They all show up. Um, and we give the 150 free pieces of corn away. We run a successful event. We ended up making a few dollars on the event or whatever. And so I go back to, I want to say Chris Copeland at this point, And I say, hey, I'm, I want to fund this award moving forward. So I was like, what do I need to do? And he said, well, why don't we start with for three years? You provide an award for three years. So for the first three years, I had trophies made for that award. And not to, but this isn't just me. Like this is my, this is a, a, a Jared and all the tricks years because of all those guys that this happened. But we, we were able to give those guys those awards. I got radar skis for the first two years that we did it. I was just trying to blow it up and get some more excitement about it. I got radar skis to donate a trick ski uh, for the first two years that we brought that back, 2016 and 2017, that we gave away at state. But Basically, that was the start of, of Twin Lakes Corn Fest. What happened was in 2016, we decided, okay, well, last year was successful. This year, let's add Feet on Fire North back into the mix. And and it was another successful year. That year, we gave away 500 free pieces of corn. Um, and also the pro wakeboard tour or something. There was like a one wakeboard event was in town that weekend, maybe like nationals or something. And I was able to get all of those people to come out to Twin Lakes and watch. Nice. It was a... It was a huge event and I wanted to keep blowing this up, blowing this thing up. And um, in 2017, we weren't really able to put the the event on the way we wanted to, but we did a small event called Backyard Buoys and Corn, um, which is a, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek slalom contest that, um, that I kind of com- concepted. And we did that so that we could um, build media and bring uh, Twin Lakes Corn Fest to fruition in the in the the way that i had always envisioned it which my my view is like we got 16 trick skiers we got 32 barefooters let's find the top six swivel skiers let's find six teams of two freestyle jump and also let's throw away all the rules that usa water skier anybody i said instead of having pads of paper and values on trick points let's run this entire event like a wakeboard contest Let's have people who know exactly what they're looking at and subjectively judge um, based off of our own criteria. Nobody has to dictate what we do. I got the WWA to sanction the event to give us um, to to give us the insurance for the contest, which is crazy because you think of the WWA, the World Wake Association, mm-hmm. but these guys are are literally sponsoring and sanctioning our event. And I did that just so that I didn't have anybody kind of raining down on me. Also, I'm not going to lie, the WWA offers the best, most comprehensive boat coverage as well. So for, for insurance, but whole, it's a whole nother thing. But anyways, in 2018, we brought it back and it was truly a showcase of water sports. We had some of the best skiers representing in wakeboarding and just all across the board. And, and, and now it's blown up, man. Like the last... Two, three years now and where it is today and with social media and the organization you guys have with with all the heats and like all the stuff came out today with the pairings and it's so fun to see that build up and the lineup of talent like is this now has this now grown to something that is met your expectations or is even bigger and better than you thought it would be when it when it started guys we had over 160 people 
from around the world apply to ski in this year's Corn Fest. We had like 115 accepted athletes, another 25 athletes on the reserve list. Um, and, and we had all of that set by, I want to say, April 1st. So wow. um, it's definitely exceeded what I what I ex- thought it was going to be. And look, I go to the biggest events around the world. I still do. I mean, I was just at the WWA Wakeboard Nationals last week for the debut of the Nautique's new Paragon boat. And I mean, that's a big event. But you've got a huge machine with the WWA and Nautique boats, and you've got the best amateur and pro riders from around the U.S. coming out to that. I mean, our numbers are comparable to those numbers, you know. And so awesome. Wow. This is this is this is a sleeper event too, because outside of the show ski, and we're, we really tap deep into the collegiate community as well, um, because to me, like these are these are mega enthusiasts and these guys are so excited about it they don't take the sport way too serious you know and, and that's always the thing i tell people if you're coming to Cornfest just to win probably not the event for you, no. you know? and the virtual three trick line is taken off big that, time this year like joel poland and all these stars putting out their stuff and tagging Cornfest. how awesome is that I got to hand it to Jenna and Jared Meyer. Um, they really uh, took the bull by the horns on the three trick line contest this year. Um, I don't really know what the um, the numbers are right now, but Hunter Hansen alone has over a hundred and sixty thousand plays on his three trick line right now. Yeah. I saw Kaylee Kohler. Kaylee Kohler's was um, unreal. So so Hunter, he's been shared over three hundred times on Instagram. I saw Kaylee, I think hers was shared something like 250 times on Facebook, you know? So this is huge. And as great as it is for for Twin Lakes Corn Fest, awesome. But for the sport, for Toad Water Sports in general, this is gaining exposure. The, The crew has brought together three eventers, wakeboarders, barefooters, show skiers, professionals, amateurs, semi pros, children families like this is this is broadened up and it's just I, i'm so proud of what the what the crew has done there and and on the social side too i mean i really appreciate you guys taking notice um so an, another huge feather in the cap and again i gotta commend jared meyer on this mm-hmm. one charlie barons i don't know if you guys just saw but oh, yeah. he just he just put a video out literally while we're recording this it came out corn 25 hours ago he has close to two hundred thousand views on that video alone already and gave us the rub that's freaking nice. awesome so like spin us into so all of that has been years in the making and has blown up now to something awesome and our listeners if you haven't been to twin lakes corn fest you've got to get there talk to us uh briefly before we get to your wake responsibly we want to hear about the lake lovers club which was founded and created by your crew at twin lakes corn fest where are you guys at now with Lake Lovers, and and what do people need to know about it? So, I, you know, I don't want anybody to to um, look at this and think, hey, we're doing a charity with Lake Lovers Club. That's not that's not what it is. I mean, essentially, it's an apparel brand, really. But we're a crew of people that like to do good things for the sport. Um, when we initially started Lake Lovers Club, uh, it was late in 2020, and we thought that writing was on the wall and we were going to be shut down for another season. We didn't think we were going to be able to put an event on, but we wanted to continue making a mark on the sport. Um, the whole idea behind Lake Lovers Club initially was we wanted to have cool gear, make awesome collaborations, 
yep, uh, you're rocking the, the sun shirt right now. And we appreciate it. We wanted to work with other like-minded people um, just like us. But our first projects with Lake Lovers Club were actually based around Pass the Handle, which is an initiative started yep. by Zane Schwank and Sean Murray um, yep. and pushed by WSIA, the Water Sports Industry Association and lake cleanups we had found so my girlfriend jane who's a humongous part of everything i mean she's basically on top a lot of us have the vision the ideas and she really helps bring this stuff to fruition um with with lake lovers club you know she's not really she doesn't come from toad water sports but she always hears about passing the handle this and that and she's like this is great but she had been talking to people and they're like well i'd like to do a pass the handle but i don't even know what how how to do that what does it entail how many people do i have to pull uh, do, is it only in July? Uh, what's the cost associated? Do I have to be on a ski team? No, pass the handle can happen any day. It can happen with one people, 10 or one person, 10 people, a hundred people. But what we realized was that there was really nothing out there that taught people how to, um, to pass the handle. So, um, in between that 2020 and 2021 period, um, we worked on uh, basically a one-sheeter uh, materials that basically went through everything so that you can put on your own um, your own pass the handle day costs associated with it. Uh, it also included how you blow it up uh, pre-event through social media at the event and then post-event. We did the same thing with Lake Cleanup. We we just made a comprehensive uh, one-sheeter that just goes through, hey, these are all the materials that you need for Lake Cleanup. This is how many people you should have if you're doing it on this size of a lake. These are the kind of boats. These are the kind of uh, grippers. Um, you know, like you don't want to be tugging plastic bags around the lake. What you do is you drill holes in buckets. You fill those buckets up, and then you find garbage cans on the shoreline. You dump the trash into those things. Um in year number one of Lake Lovers Club, we were we tasked, I want to say, five to eight ambassadors around the country with putting on their own past the handle and lake cleanup. And we gave them um, resources to do that, um, including um, the one cheaters that I talked about that we created. But above and beyond that, in year one, um, we gave them the option. Do you guys want a camera to create uh, media for this? Because like that's creating media for what you do. It's not just about patting yourself on the back. It's about encouraging others to go out and do good things as well. So, uh, um, so now you're, now you guys are a lifestyle brand, right? And now, you know, so it's like it got, maybe it got lost in the shuffle in that 2020 that you guys were more of a charity giving back late cleanup. But the truth of the matter is you guys are a lifestyle brand and you have some of the coolest, uh, swag and partnerships and people need to buy into the lake lovers brand. I mean, that's it. I mean, we want to encourage, like, obviously we want people to buy the gear and rock cool stuff. Um, you know, you, you go around, you go around the country and you always see salt life stickers everywhere, but we don't really have that for, for, for the lake. Uh, so that was, that was a part of what we were doing. But again, going back to it, you know, this is all built and uh, again, this, it's not a charity at all. It just cause we're doing good things. Doesn't mean that it has to be a 501 C three or whatever. We give back as much as we possibly can, but yes, we want to get good gear out there. We want to gain exposure for the sport. We want to teach people to be respectful of their lakes. We want people to be responsible out on their lakes as well. We want to teach etiquette through what we're doing. And, um, so with that, um, you know, Lake lovers club was born. Hmm. Good stuff. Now, Dana, you mentioned, you know, being responsible. Talk to us a little bit about the Wake Responsibly initiative. Yeah. 
so so no doubt lake lovers club um and wake responsibly you know there's things right there that kind of coincide with each other i was talking about the respect i was talking about the etiquette the education um you know there's a lot of boats are very different than they were when guys like us were growing up you know and you know now you go to buy a mastercraft the reality is is for every 50 or 100 23 footers they sell they're going to sell maybe one 19 foot ski boat you know so um these boats have a much larger footprint now um you also got people that are getting into boating that never ever spent time on a boat or on a lake right. and wake responsibly is all about educating and educating uh, uh or etiquette etiquette and educating um these end users and um you know the, the wake responsibly initiative is based off three pillars um keep your music at respectable levels um stay at least 200 feet and maybe now you know some lakes are pushing that away pushing that even further away 200 feet from shorelines and minimize repetitive passes over any one portion of shoreline and i know as show skiers in the show course we're running those repetitive passes and whatnot but usually when we're doing that that's a certain spot we've been running those lines for a long time and and the community that's kind of built up for for what we do and, and sure. whatnot yeah. Um, you know, the big thing is out there and look, I work for Roswell Marine. Uh, we get loud, we sell tons of audio. It's, it's all about having a good time out there, but there's a time and a place for it. Most times when there's an issue on the lake, it all stems from somebody playing their music too loud. And that's usually at like eight thirty nine, nine thirty in the morning when it's maybe a little bit too early to be getting rowdy out on the lake. Then all of a sudden someone comes out and is like, turn down their music. And the guy in the boat's like, ah, you know, screw you, whatever. This yeah. is my boat. I do what I want. Go call the cops. Your story against my story. And the cops come and they're like, ah, sorry, your story versus his story. Well, then this neighbor is like, well, look at this guy. He's creating these huge wakes and they're ruining my shoreline, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's a lot more of a compelling argument. You know, these wakes are big. The thing is, is water sports industry, they've, they've done the science. They've done the math. They've done the testing. Here's the deal. As long as you stay a good uh, distance away from docks and shorelines, 200 feet, I mean, they've, I don't know what they're called, the poles and the meters and whatnot, but they've, they've tested these waves. As these waves come back to shore, they're losing that energy. So essentially, if you stay a far enough distance from the shoreline, you're not going to do any more damage than what a windstorm could potentially right. do yep. to, to somebody's shoreline. Again, it goes back to that educating and, and etiquette thing. A lot of people, when you tell them, hey, man, turn your music down or stay away from my shoreline, that's embarrassing. I, hey, man, I just bought a $150,000 boat. Don't tell me how to use it, right? Yeah, it makes someone defensive. It, yeah. Totally. So what I encourage people to do, and, and it's cool, out on my, I live out half the time in the Chicagoland and half the time down in Florida, and in Florida, I have an awesome relationship with all of the wake surfers on our lake. In fact, when I pull out in my 93 ski nautique and head over to the slalom course, I'll get a phone call from one of the wake surfers. He goes, hey, how many uh, how many guys you got in the boat with me? I'm like, three. He goes, cool. So what do you think? Like 18, 20 passes? I'm like, yeah. He goes, so about 45 minutes? I'm like, sure. He goes, cool. We'll hang out and wait for you guys to finish. You know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the reason why I was able to get that relationship with that guy was because when I went out to him when he was just on our lake for the first time, I didn't go out and scream at him and be like, man, you're sending these wakes. I live in a boathouse down there, so I know when the wake surfers are out. And I didn't go out and freak out on this guy and yell at him and tell him what kind of jerk he is. Now he's ruining the lake. I said, hey, man, you're going to get that same wave if you stay out in the middle of the lake. 
And you're going to probably annoy less of the neighbors if you do that too. The guy's like, man, this is my first boat. Nobody ever taught me that. Thank you. Thank you for not coming out here and yelling at me like everybody else. If anybody else would have just told me to yeah. literally run the center line, I would have just done that, okay. you know? Um, so a lot of the times, you know, wake responsibly, obviously, like I said, it goes back to those pillars. Um, but it's it's about being cool and, and literally how you approach um, whatever is going on. Uh, the other thing I want to touch on, too, is that a lot of people think that wake responsibly is just all about the the wakeboarding and the wake surfing. Guys, rewind the clock back to 1995 and remember what we were doing skiing and those fishermen had the mm-hmm. same argument against us. And the fact is, is we all have to band together, especially in the Midwest, Wisconsin. Um, there's a lot of action going on right now. In fact, there's a, an all new um, uh, governmental affairs guy from Water Sports Industry Association specifically for the Midwest. These guys are out lobbying for us. Look, if even one single lake gets shut down to wake surfing, what's the difference to some 75-year-old mm-hmm. guy sitting at some city behind a desk? He doesn't care or know what the difference between water skiing or wake surfing is. So the reality is a slow no wake is slow no wake. We cannot let these lakes get shut down. There's a group with uh, radio ads in Madison right now um, uh, against uh, uh, Boating essentially against uh, wakes. Well, the good um, news is, is the good news is, is that at Twin Lakes Corn Fest this year, um, multiple representatives from the Water Sports uh, Industry Association are going to be there. Their two top governmental affairs guys are going to be there. Um, there's also going to be legislators from Wisconsin there to see the good. event, to talk to the skiers and the riders, um, to get out on the boats. There's going to be boating law administrators there. Um, and, and it's getting with these guys, taking them out on the boat, showing them, Hey, look, we are respectful. We do care. Like it's just the, and I'm sure you, when you guys had Kevin Michael, he may have talked a little bit about this. The thing is, is you get a, you get a guy on the lake who's angry about something. And then he goes over to his next door neighbor, who's maybe a lawyer. And that guy has to do some pro bono work. And that lawyer might care less about wake surfing or skiing or anything like that. And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll join in on your fight. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you get a guy who doesn't even know what he's, what he's right. what he's fighting yep. against but but he is passionate about his job which is mm-hmm. being a lawyer and winning cases and that's where the whole mess um you know starts so for anybody coming out to mm-hmm. twin lakes corn fest definitely um uh, catch up with the guys from water sports associate uh, industry association for anybody listening to this if you guys are having any issues out on your waterways um reach out uh to matt and adam first or myself um so they can reach out to me and I will get you with the right people. And I promise you this just happened. Uh, Jason Richling from the board shop in Lake Geneva called me up a few weeks ago and says, Hey, there's something going on on one of the lakes, not far from me. Look, you got to understand if one lake gets shut down, think about the jobs that could be impacted. I'll just give you an example. You look on twin lakes in Lake, Lake Mary in, in twin lakes, Wisconsin, you go around that lake, 70% of the boats are inboard boats. And of those inboard boats, a good 45% of them, are V-Drive wake-specific boats. Who builds those boats? Who services those boats? Who stores those boats? You know what I mean? There's lots of, like, this goes way, way, way further than just some dude who's ticked off by waves and making up stories about his shoreline eroding. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Uh, Let's wrap up today, Dano. Uh, What do you got going on today? What's uh, any new cool things you're doing? Um, what's, What's Dano Amir got? currently in the hopper 
Yeah, um, I'm st- you know I'm working for Roswell Marine. So if anybody out there you know is interested in towers or board racks or audio uh, or mirrors, uh, all premium goods, um, you guys can connect with me. I'm doing that. That's my full time gig. I'm still announcing um, here or there. Um, I, I I mostly love announcing like amateur grassroots contests. I also co-organize with my girlfriend Jane Levy um, and Danny Harf down in Orlando. Uh, the thigh high surf and wake series we have you know nearly a hundred amateur wakeboarders and wake surfers coming out to each one of those events and it's it's really cool we're really just trying to build rebuild the grassroots scene down in the southeast i would say like 80 percent of the podiums at this year's nationals had riders from our event down in florida so organizing events and uh you know just really the last few weeks really prepping for for Twin Lakes Corn Fest this year is shaping up, you know, knock on wood, if the weather works with us this year, um, is shaping up to be the biggest ever. I'd say well over um, 3,000 people. We've got over 8,000 ears of corn ordered. I want to say something <laughs> like 250 pounds of butter have already been ordered. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, uh, a, a whole a whole hell of a lot of salt. I'm in my office right now looking at the salt. So, yeah, man, it's 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 never stopped. You know, working in the boating industry, um, especially the way I do. You know, uh, you're you're getting ready for summer, then you're getting ready for uh, you know winterization season, then you're getting ready for uh, for um, dealer meetings, then you're getting ready mm-hmm. for Christmas, you're getting ready for boat shows, you're getting ready for spring, you're getting ready for summer. It, it never ends, and if you like working and busting your butt, uh, definitely you can stay busy. That's for sure. Daniel, thank you. That was awesome. Thanks for being on the show today, Dano. Yeah, guys. Fantastic stuff. I, I really appreciate y'all for, for letting me do this today. And, uh, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. And you guys are doing a great job here. I really hope you keep it going. I, like I said, I did 154 episodes. You guys are almost there. I remember when I was around 85 as well. And um, you guys are going strong. Keep it up. And, uh, yeah, uh, before before I do get out of here, I just want to, if, if it's cool, if you don't mind, just want to send a quick shout-out to – some of the crew, some of the guys who let me do what I do and be who I am, guys like Basta Boat Lifts, the Water Sports Industry Association, Twin Lakes Marine, Regal and Nautique of Orlando, SeaDeck Marine Products, Roswell Marine, of course, Lake Lovers Club, Jane Levy, my mom and dad, uh, DJ Romsky, my sister, my brother, of course, my grandma up there and, and everybody mm-hmm. else uh, who's helped me along the way, man, definitely could could not awesome. do this. and. Love the support of the entire water sports community. And, uh, yeah, guys, thanks again for letting me do this. Thanks, man. Take care. Thank you. Dano is uh, on the mic for a reason. (laughs) That that dude likes to talk and tell stories. And holy cow, that's good stuff. Fun fun stories from him. He's good at it, right? I mean, really good. He really, he really, and he's, man, is he passionate about, just water sports in general. And I, I totally get it. You know, if, if, uh, you know, if there's one lake that decides that they're going to ban surf boats, I mean, then that becomes a domino effect. Where does it end after that? Right. So I think, I think, uh, his head's in the right spot and getting after it to, you know, protect what we love with toad water sports and, you know, showing people how to be respectful when they're out on the water. So, we don't run into these issues. That's right. And man, uh, just the amount of gratitude he has for the sport and what it's done for him over time and the people that have been in his life. And 
the, his ability to make a career out of his passion, and he's so grateful for that. I love hearing that. Good stuff from Dano Amir. Great guy. Support Lake Lovers Club if you can. Uh, D1 Nationals is here, Adam. Uh, exciting. Going to be a great weekend. The skiers, the teams are ready. They're locked in. Man, is that going to be a great weekend. It's going to be awesome. This is uh, one of my favorite sites to ski at. It's going to be it's going to be fantastic, this little city of show skiers uh, in, in Indiana. It's going to be awesome. Yep. Thank you to our sponsors, the Lake Lovers Club. Make sure you get yourself to Twin Lakes Corn Fest and get online and buy some swag. They've got the lifestyle brand you need at lakeloversclub.com. Flyman Skis, always a great supporter. They're going to be at Nationals sponsoring the Flyman Beer Garden. They're going to have a tent where uh, you can borrow equipment if you need it for your show. Uh, teams can borrow that. They're they're uh, out in full force. They also have a social media contest going on where you can uh, send some tournament shenanigans with the hashtag Flyman Skis. Uh, so check that out. And the board shop. Always get all the gear you need. Your summer sports gear, your winter sports gear, Anything you would ever want is yours at bswake.com. Thanks again to all of our listeners. This is Matt and Adam, and this is The Ski Show. Thank you for listening to The Ski Show, the ultimate show ski podcast with Matt and Adam. We're the only show specifically dedicated to all things show ski. If you have feedback or ideas for future shows, hit us up on social media or email us at the ski show podcast at gmail.com.